The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Welcome to Brown Table Talk. I am DC Marshall, founder and CEO of Diverse and Engage, Wall Street alum and top WBE CEOs. I'm here with my co-host, Mita. Hey, D. Marshall. I'm Mita Malik. I'm a business leader, a DEI champion, and most importantly, a working mother. And here's what you all should know. Mita and I started Brown Table Talk as a place to spill the tea on the hard truths women of color face in the workplace from my perspective as a Black woman, Black woman over here, and for Mita, her view as a South Asian woman. And at our table, we literally unpack it all. We won't leave any juicy details out. Then we provide you with tips you need on not how to survive, but how to thrive in organization. So, Mita, what are we talking about today? All right, Dee, are you ready? Buckle up. I'm ready. It's a hot topic. We're going to come in hot this season. (laughs) It is what to do when someone touches your hair. And this is a conversation that we do not have enough. And this is a conversation that Many Black women, many Black men face, not just in their communities, but in their workplaces. And so Dee and I, as Dee says, I got stories for days. We want to unpack it all. We want to talk about the stories. And then we want to leave you with those tips at the end so that you can think about how you will be acting differently when you show up at work the next day. Yeah. So Mita, you know, we've talked about this topic for hours on the phone, audio message, text. Um, So can you just share the story? I mean, let's just get into the juice. We got some stories, right? But Dee, I don't know if I've (laughs) ever shared this story with you. So let me surprise you for a second. So a few years back, I was working with my dear friends at Language Culture Worldwide, and we had created a series of cultural immersions. And this one was called Understanding the Experience of Being Black in America Today. And this is pre the diversity tipping point, which uh, D. Marshall and Diverse and Engaged has coined. And so in this training, we are talking about how Black women in workplaces disproportionately have their hair touched. And at this moment, a white woman stands up in the audience with what I think is a question, but more of a comment. And she says, oh, well, that's like when people touched my belly when I was pregnant. That's not a big deal. That happens all the time. And so Dee, tell us why that is a false equivalency. Because I know there are many allies listening today saying, well, when I was pregnant, people would touch my belly without asking permission. People would touch my blonde curly hair without permission. People would come squeeze my cheeks without my permission. Why is it just not acceptable? Please tell us why. Yeah, so it is not acceptable because for Black people, it is, and I'm going to go back. Um, I know a lot of people, this makes a lot of people uncomfortable, but in terms of just historical context, when Black people, our ancestors, my ancestors were enslaved in this country, 
we did not own ourselves. We were owned by others. We were owned by slave masters. And so the idea of someone touching your hair or your person without permission, it really tracks back to, you know, Black people being property, right? And it, it also tracks back to the audacity, which we know to be privilege, that you have the privilege without asking permission to touch another person's person, body. So it is a false equivalent because, again, as Black people being owned uh, or having a, an owner who could do whatever it is that the owner, the slave master, wanted to do, touch hair, even, you know, I know this is going to make people uncomfortable, but so many stories of rape and incest. And, you know, I mean, I think that's a whole nother conversation, but do understand that touching a person's belly, although I think that's that's definitely a violation for all the moms out there, but it is not the equivalent of touching a Black person's hair because it tracks back to just when my ancestors were enslaved, period. No, and that's important. And I know this is why we do this conversation, because it is about you're not going to grow if you're not uncomfortable. Right. And so for all the allies, if you're squirming listening to this, we need you to squirm because we need you to understand uh, the historical context. But Dee, let me ask you this question, because, and, and you know this from your own personal experiences in the work you do, I will focus on Black women. I know this also happens to Black men. But Black women report disproportionately having their hair touched, particularly in workplaces. What do you say to allies who say that's just not true? I don't think that's true. I don't think that really happens because that's a point of contention where it's I am minimizing someone else's experience that's actually happened. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's so unfortunate. But I think the thing here is just because you haven't witnessed it or you haven't been in an experience where you have observed, it doesn't mean that it does. It has not happened. And I'm going to give you case in point for why we know it happens. So more recently, the Crown Act, I'm not sure if you all have heard of the Crown Act. Um, Mita, I know you know all too well. Let me give you this statistic, right? Did you know that a Black woman is 80% more likely to change her natural hair to meet social norms and expectations at work? And Black women are also one and a half times more likely to be sent home or they know of a Black woman sent home from work because of her hair, right? And so because we know this to be true, then the whole idea that, you know, that doesn't happen. No, it does happen. And so much so, did you know that there was a bill, that there is a bill that was passed? It's called SB 188. It was passed and introduced by a state congresswoman in California who, you know, endorsed a bill that hair discrimination would be become illegal. And that's what the Crown Coalition is about. There was a few years ago this experience where a wrestler, I believe out of New Jersey. New Jersey, yep, out of New Jersey. Right? Yes. Do you remember that? I remember this. It was around the holidays. Tell the story, Mita, really quick, and then I'm going to come back to this Crown Coalition and the Crown Act. This young gentleman, a high school wrestler, I believe, was in, I think it was like a championship game. It was, it was pretty getting towards sort of the end of winning state levels. And the coach said, your hair does not meet the standards of what you need to be wearing, having to compete, and actually cut his hair off in front of 
the crowd, the students. I mean, it was it is heartbreaking to watch that video. Humiliating. And so that is why the Crown Act um, exists. And Crown stands for creating a respectful and open world for natural hair. And it's a law that prohibits discrimination based on hair texture and hair style. And so it does exist or else, you know, there wouldn't be this law that was introduced. And so I'll say just a bit more about it so that you really understand how this hair issue or your issue with our hair is an issue. And so the Crown Coalition um, sponsored the Crown Act, which is SB 188 in California. It was introduced by Senator Holly J. Mitchell. California was the first state to sign the Crown Act into law July of 2019. And certainly other states followed, I think seven states right now, Colorado, Maryland, New York, New Jersey, Virginia, Washington, and Connecticut. So it is no longer uh, legal in those states to discriminate in the workplace. So you can't like interview someone and just because they come in with their Afro or their textured hair that does not look like your hair, it doesn't mean that you are valid in suggesting that it's inappropriate. It's It doesn't mean that it's valid to suggest that they're not a right fit or that is unprofessional. So this is such a big deal. And I'm so glad we're having the conversation because it does happen in the workplace, Mita. And it, it's so unfortunate. It really is. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. Higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Well, Dee, you know, I got so many questions for you from the ally perspective. Speaking about wearing your hair naturally as a Black woman and interviewing, what do you do if you're on an interview panel and we're debriefing? And one of the interview panelists says, well, something about Dee, I just don't know if she has the professionalism for the role. We've heard that before. What what do you do, right, as an ally, as an aspiring ally, an ally who's on their journey, who hears that comment? And D is like the person for the job. She's got the skill. She's got the qualification. She has the experience. And yet, oh, someone just drops that on the table right at the end. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah. What What do you say? Yeah. I think as an ally, two things, two thoughts. One is be, can you be more specific? What specifically, right? Mm -hmm. That's number one. And number two, allies don't introduce it. You don't bring it up. Do not suggest. Is it that D does not look the part? Do you, are you uncomfortable with her hair? Don't introduce it. 
no. introduce it. Interesting. Don't introduce okay. it. Ask for specifics and wait and pause. And if it comes up, you interrupt it. Why? Because allies are not neutral and allyship is not passive. You are there to interrupt and disrupt. And now, because you're listening to Brown Table Talk, you have a little bit of education, right? You have two points here. And I know we're going to get to the tips. Mita's going to round us out, keep us together here. But, you know, in, in the short time that we're here, you're now educated on where does this hair sensitivity come up? It's culturally, right? It's disrespectful, right? It's just disrespectful. Okay, I have another question. D, if you were sitting next to me, you might punch me because of the questions I'm asking, but this is all the education. Okay, but what if I, okay, for people listening, what if I ask you for permission to touch your hair? Now I'm really going there. But I asked you, I didn't just touch it. I said, D, can I touch your hair? That's inappropriate. I know it's no. inappropriate, but we need to That's- call it out. I need to put this on the table. Right. Okay. I thank you for asking me to, so we're role-playing. We're role-playing. Okay. Mita, thank you. I'm role playing. It's not really me. (laughs) Okay. I got no, I know, I totally know. Listen, my sister friend, I know. Look, you have hair stories. We're not even getting there because you are so respectful. So trust me, this is a role play. Role play, Sue, Becky, John. Thank you for, I appreciate that you asked the question. And so, do you mind if I share some insight? That is inappropriate. And it's not only inappropriate, but it's also an area of sensitivity because it implies that there is something different. I, you are othering me. There is something unique about my hair that is unlike yours. And so it, it's further isolating. Now, do you need to say all that? No, but you can say, you know what? I appreciate you asking, but it is inappropriate. Now, you could also engage in conversation, but I don't need, I don't really want to engage in conversation. And just so you know, for allies here, you know, we don't want to engage in conversation at work. No, we don't. Just, you know what? Thank you for asking, but it's actually inappropriate to ask or to touch. You can educate, but it's not our role to educate. You know what I wish would happen in that situation, the role play we just did? If I was the person role playing that asked you that inappropriate question, I wish someone else would intervene. I wish it wasn't you that had to say, why? Why are you asking me this? It's inappropriate. The beautiful explanation you just give. This is, again, the burden, the pain that Black and brown people continue to have to face in our workplaces where the burden of education is on us. Where is Becky? If Mita's asking the question, Becky should jump in and say, Mita, why are you asking Dee that question? That's good. That's good, Mita. Right? That's good. That's it. That's it. That's what upsets me so much. And that's why we're doing this podcast is because we don't need black women know the pain and brown women. We're not, we're not, we're sharing stories for community and understanding, but we need allies to be listening to how we can make our workplaces different. Uh, Dee, I have another story. Okay. So this is, before we get to my hair story, this is a story that happens a lot in workplaces. So what would love your perspective on this? A few years back, I had a black woman colleague who had shared this story with me. She was very excited. She was more junior in her career then. And she was going in to present at a leadership meeting. Like she had a moment to come in for 10 minutes, present an update on the business, a proposal, a plan. Very excited. She's going in, getting ready, gets up there, ready to start speaking. And one of the vice presidents interrupts her and says, oh my God, how did your hair get so much longer? You have braids now. What did you do to your hair? 
And so later, this woman is sharing this story with me, like stunned and in complete pain, that this career-defining moment that she had been preparing for and planning for and was invited to this leadership team meeting to present and share a business update and a proposal became minimized and about her hair. And so I think in that moment, I'm not even sure what she said. I think she was stunned. And then she said something like, thank you for asking about my hair. Let us get to the proposal. We can talk about that later. I don't even know what she was able to say. And I don't even think it was a thank you. Let me not use that language. But it was, what do you do in that moment? You're stunned. But this happens often too in workplaces. So I would love your advice again, if you feel like from the perspective of the person who is the target of those questions, if you feel like you want to respond, how do you respond? But then also, where were the other leaders who were sitting at the conference table at watching this woman That's it. be interrogated about her hair when she's here That's to it. give a business update? That's it. That's the place in public settings and public-private settings in the workplace. She's presenting, there's at least, what, three, four, five? No, there's like 10. Come on, this is There's 10 American people in that room. There's like 10 people at that table. Not one ally jumps in. No. Now, that no. is the place for the ally. That's it right there. Certainly when they're one-on-one conversations like that, then, you know, you have to respond. But if you are the ally, if you're a leader... I'm going to just say this. Mita, if you are a leader, you are a people leader, you aspire to go higher in the organization, that is your responsibility to interrupt that. And I'm going to say this. For any corporation right now that has a room of 10 and somebody asked that question, and let's just say if it's me and I have to respond and there's 10 people in the room, not only is the person who asked the question at fault, every other person in the room at this point is at fault. Okay. But no, I would say, you know what? It's just such a difficult, it's so frustrating. And I'm going to tell you who else, I'm going to tell you who else should respond. The men in the room should respond, but also the women. This is a, certainly it's a black woman thing, brown, women of color thing, but also a woman thing. It's that you don't see my skill set. You don't see my value in the company. You only see uh, externally what I am presenting externally. That is a problem. And so I do think the response is interesting that you would acknowledge that, you know, be more than willing to talk offline. I'd like to share my real genius or the, or the purpose and the intent. I'm, for which I am here, right? It's such an awkward moment. And so I think it's that. But in that scenario, allies must speak up at this this point forward. Where we are in this country, it's going to be shame on the corporation who sits there and says, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. So here's how this should go down for allies. Somebody should interrupt that, interrupt the bias. And then you need to have a conversation with me offline. Let me know you are here for me. Ask me the question. I can't understand that situation, but I could understand how that would be upsetting. And I don't know what to do, but I'm here to support you. How would you like to handle, right? So you always let, allow for the individual um, to lead. Don't go in with the Maasai or savior complex, like, oh, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. Interrupt it right then and there. And guess what else you should not do? Do not just have a conversation with me offline. 
interrupt it in real time, and then have the conversation. We do this, look, at Diverse and Engage, we do this work for the biggest brands, for Fortune 10, and it's always interrupt in real time when appropriate in real time, right? And that is the scenario of that's a real-time conversation to move the presentation along, acknowledge the genius that in the presentation or the content or the report, acknowledge the skill set, the competency, the work, and then have a conversation after. I'm sorry, you just got me all riled up, Mita. No, it's good. No, D, but what I will add is, I love this, interrupt in the moment. But here's what I would say, it's never too late. So if in that moment, that horrible situation occurs and no one does anything, and the woman is left to defend herself and to say what she needs to say and then move on and present, and if I was in there, shame on me that I didn't say anything and stop the leader who said that, but listen, it's not too late. I can still go find that leader in his or her office. I can still find them at lunch. I can still take them out for coffee and say, this is why this was so inappropriate. So it's never too late. I I think interrupting in the moment, but I think oftentimes people are scared and allies are just so shell-shocked, right? But stop being scared and it's time to step up. It's time to step up. And the appropriate thing is, you know, later on, if you see the person in the hallway and they change their hair, oh, I love your hair. I love what you did with it. Simple, done. Yeah. So we are having this conversation and this episode was to talk about Black women in hair because it's a big to-do, um, so much so that laws, a, a law has been passed to really address this in the workplace that is extremely important and forward-moving. And this is what it means to address discrimination. This is systemic, right? And so this is the difference between systemic and surface. Surface is I go in for the interview and I'm questioned about my hair or somebody asks to touch my hair. That's surface, right? That has to do with the individual. But the law being passed addresses systemic racism, which is so powerful. So there's hope. This is not just about Black women. I appreciate that we reserve face uh, a space for this. And Mita, I so you know, grateful for you as my co-host, as my friend, us being brown girls, sister friends. I know you have a story when you were in elementary school that just makes me so emotional. So before we go, share that story so that we're educating and expanding folks in the workplace. No, I appreciate that, Dee. I had hair down to my knees for, I think, until college for most of my upbringing, because that's very common in Indian culture. So it was in a long, beautiful braid. And I have been, unfortunately, bullied for most of my formative years, whether that was elementary school or middle school. I always say I was the funny-looking, dark-skinned girl with the long, funny-looking braid whose parents spoke funny English until it wasn't funny anymore. And I was bullied both verbally and physically. And it really escalated my freshman year of high school, where I was in a class that I loved called Intro to Physical Science. And there were these two white boys who had targeted me and just kept targeting me. They would, in the hallway, pull my braid like I was a horse and say, nay. And then one of them sat behind me, which was absolutely terrifying. And he would hold my head back with my hair if I didn't pass the papers back fast enough. And one day they decided to set my hair on fire in the lab portion of the class. And my lab partner who hadn't spoken to me in eight weeks, all of a sudden one day said, oh my God, your your hair is on fire. And they had been standing, I think it was a bench behind me and lighting matches and throwing them into my hair. And the damage to my hair, my hair is fine today, but the damage to my psyche was pretty deep. And 
it was actually, if I think about it now, pretty astounding that they only were suspended for a day and put back in the class. And so there I was having to deal with them and be terrorized by them for the rest of rest of the year. And my parents were actually never told about it. My dad, rest in peace, doesn't know the story. I never told him the story. My hair was long enough that the damage was like, I cut it myself and um, no one could really see what happened. But uh, it's quite painful. It's, it's quite painful. And so hair, not just for me in the context of what's happened to me, but you know, even in that class, I still remember a classmate who was wearing a hijab. And our teacher D would say to this classmate, I just wonder what's under there. Could I take a little peek? And now I think about this years later, like, how is that appropriate? Where was the principal? Where were the other parents and law enforcement in my situation? And so I just share that to say that, you know, hair has been over-politicized. Hair has been, I don't know, a really emotional subject for me over the years. And it is for many uh, brown women, broadly, as we say. Thank you for sharing, friend. And I appreciate that. It makes me emotional. And I'm glad you survived to tell the story and to do the work that you do. Um, For everybody listening, teach your kids, do better, not just in the workplace, but um, also our kids. And we have to know that these things are true. So Mita, what tips do we have for allies today? Yes. So we're going to leave you all with uh, three tips today. And the first is number one, allies listening, please educate yourself on the historical context, in particular, when it comes to the black community and the identity of hair. And Dee did such a nice job at the beginning of the podcast talking about this, but that's only a short synopsis. So please take time to educate yourself. Dee, over to you for two and three. Number two, do not ask if you can touch a Black woman's hair. Don't ask. I know it sounds polite. Just don't do it. That's number two. And guess what number three is? Do not touch a Black woman's hair or a Black person's hair. And I also want you all to go to thecrownact.com if you're interested in learning more about the bill that was introduced. So Mita, over to you. Dean, that's it. Thank you so much for being here with us at the Brown Table Talk. If you liked what you heard, please, please, please give it a like, give it a share, give it a review, pass it along to the fellow brown women in your life, and most importantly, to allies. Thank you so much, and see you next time. Side effects of listening to Brown Table Talk may include allies unleashed, getting paid more, and a dose of badassery all the way around. More at www.roundtabletalkpodcast.com.